Chapter 27, The Expo Part 3 The lecture theatre before her was vast. Remembering back to her years as a student at this institution, Diana had taken various classes here. From first-year molecular biology to second-year biomathematics, she held many memories as a student in this very room. But it was the first time that she was standing behind the podium at the front of her lecture room, a spot where her lecturers used to stand. The room had clearly been renovated in a few aspects since she had been a student here. It felt strange, but even stranger was the fact that the room had been filled to the brim with students who regarded her with awe and admiration. Diana scanned the rows of seats occupied by the 200 or so students of Luna Nova Institute of Technology. Junior undergraduates who saw her as a reverential being of inspiration. Senior undergraduates who came to hear about graduate intake opportunities at Cavendish Life Technologies. Postgraduate students and researchers who had read, cited and marveled at the academic publications of Diana Cavendish. Diana didn't really feel like she deserved the mystical reputation that she had unintentionally garnered from being in both academic and public spotlights, but regardless, they came here to hear her speak. I hope my talk today on the recent trends in biomedical technology research proved to be as exciting and informative as you had hoped. Once again, Cavendish Life is always looking for bright and talented graduates such as yourselves. So don't hesitate to reach out to our campus recruitment team for any questions you may have. Diana turned and nodded towards the familiar lilac-haired academic who sat cross-legged in the front row. And I'd like to thank Professor Meredith for generously inviting me to this wonderful opportunity to speak with you all. Truly, I am indebted to her for all the guidance she gave me many years ago, when I sat in the lecture rooms of Luna Nova just like yourself. Croy smiled as she stood and walked towards the podium. Diana, what did I say about calling me Professor Meredith and not Croy, she bantered. Chuckles rang across the room. Thanks for coming here Diana. I am and will always be very proud to have had such a talented student such as yourself. I'm sure I speak for the room when I say that your talk was very informative and makes me excited for research areas that I don't even work in. A round of applause, everyone. A thundering round of applause took place in the lecture theatre. Diana smiled politely as she unplugged the projector cable from her laptop and closed it. Students began leaving the room. Diana stood behind the podium for a little longer because she knew that she would be approached by at least a few of the students. Some of the students came to thank her. Others asked about the research that took place in her company. A couple inquired about employment opportunities, which as usual, Diana had politely deferred to her recruitment team. Croy ended up shooting a couple of the students away so Diana could finally begin her trek out of the stadium. Seriously though, thanks for coming, Croy said as she walked up the stairs with Diana. I don't even want to imagine how busy your schedule is. Indeed, Diana's schedule was usually packed to the brim, to the point where her secretary had to schedule small meetings several weeks ahead of time. But being the CEO of a large biotechnology company for over two years now, Diana had learned how to prioritize and which meetings to push back with little to no consequence.
Erwin Croy had sent her an email to her company inbox a couple of weeks ago, Diana had made the Lunar Nova seminar a priority and nearly emptied out an entire day for it. She had also written a reply back to Croy via her personal email and made sure that her old research supervisor understood that she had the privilege of using that inbox. I consider it a privilege to give a talk to your students, Diana replied. I'm happy to do this again in the future if you like. After they reached the exit of the lecture theater, they began walking towards the engineering side of the campus. The day was surprisingly sunny, as the previous week had been nothing but grey skies and showers. The campus was brimming with students moving from one class to the next. Diana had missed this. It had been a time in her life that held so many possibilities. I might just take you up on that, Croy remarked nonchalantly. How's being CEO going? The company is moving in the right direction. Real changes are finally happening. But, Diana hesitated. Corporate is corporate. Sometimes things feel too slow, well, most of the time. Managing stakeholders is often dreadful. The relationships you make in the business landscape are purely political. Well, if you ever want to come back to research, you know just who to call. Croy winked. Diana chuckled. I'll keep that in mind. As they approached the biomedical engineering building that housed Croy's office, a courtyard tree came into view. Beside the tree were benches that formed a square that enclosed it. On the bench that faced the entrance to the courtyard was a woman with blue hair who smiled widely in Diana's direction. She stood up and waved. You Ursula. Diana uttered breathlessly. She had not expected to run into an old lecturer, who she hadn't spoken to in nearly six years. It's nice to see you, Diana, Ursula said with a smile that seemed to never leave her face. Oh gosh, look at you, she gestured at the light grey suit that Diana wore, all business up. Diana felt a blush coming onto her cheeks. She didn't quite know how to react. Tea thanks. It's been quite some time, she said sheepishly. I know, right? Ursula's excitement at seeing her old student was palpable. It feels like it was only yesterday when you and Akko bickered in my class over whether video games were art. Indeed, it does seem rather surreal, Diana nodded. She only just noticed the piece of jewelry on Ursula's hand and saw the same on her ex-supervisors. Sorry to presume, but are you? Aha, Croy hummed in confirmation. It's been a few years now. Diana smiled softly at her old teachers. That's wonderful. I'm happy for you. Ursula chuckled. We would have invited you, but honestly, we barely even had a ceremony. It was more of a dinner, and we left to go traveling across Asia the day after. The way Croy looked at Ursula, recalling the memories, was not an expression that Diana had ever seen on the woman's face before. It was one of affection and happiness. A beautiful thing. Diana truly felt happy for the both of them. And how have you been, Diana? Ursula asked. I've been. Diana wasn't quite sure how to answer the question, busy. 
I've been working at my family's company for a little over two years now, and things have been well. That's an understatement, Ursula remarked. You've been the CEO. That's incredible. I don't know any CEOs personally, well, I suppose I do now. She giggled. But how have you been, Diana? Have you found what you want out of your life? I. Diana had no idea what to say. That was a deep question that had even come off a little spiritual. It was a question that challenged Diana, because it dug up an answer that she felt a little confronted by. I don't know. Diana wasn't too sure what she wanted out of her life anymore. Was she even happy? Well, I'm not terribly sad, Diana thought. But that didn't mean that she was happy. And to not be terribly sad was a rather low bar, wasn't it? I'm not really sure, Diana answered. Her tone was rather unsure, one that people never expected from her. I've reached the goals that I had set for myself when I was younger, and every day I work towards revitalizing my family's legacy. But, is that all I want out of my life? I don't know. Diana felt defeated by the question in some way. She could hear the subtle capitulation in her own voice. Ursula nodded and smiled warmly. Good. Keep looking, Diana. Would you like to join us for lunch? Croy offered. I promise we won't make you feel like a third wheel. Upon the mentioning of lunch, Diana suddenly remembered that she had other plans. Plans which she was in danger of being late to due to the impromptu catch-up she had with Ursula and Croy. I would love to, but I've already made other plans for lunch, unfortunately. That's all right, Ursula said. It's so good seeing you again, Diana. If you're ever around, let's have a proper catch-up. Of course, Diana smiled. As Diana began walking away from the couple, Ursula spoke. Oh, I almost forgot. I'm helping out with an indie game expo that's taking place today and tomorrow. You should drop by if you have the chance. An indie game exhibition. How long had it been since Diana had last visited one? Well, she had only visited one such exhibition in her life. Oh, what an eventful one that had been, Diana thought wryly. I'll consider it if I have the time. Thanks for the suggestion, Diana said before waving the couple farewell. It was strange walking into this particular restaurant again. But then again, being near Luna Nova at all was a weird experience. The place invoked so many memories from Diana. It was nostalgic to the point that it was nearly painful. Memories of her younger self and the mindset that she had back then. Memories of her time with her friends. With Akko. After all, it was she who had introduced Diana to this particular Thai restaurant. Two familiar faces at a table near the back waved enthusiastically at Diana. Then came the screeching. Diana. Their voices were in unison, producing a strange choir, if a choir produced painful sonic blasts that interrupted the meals of every patron in the restaurant. Diana was slightly uncomfortable with the over-the-top greeting, but she smiled sheepishly regardless. Because it had truly been a while since she had seen her closest friends.
It's good to see you too, Diana said with a smile as she approached their table. Hannah and Barbara rose from their seats to give Diana a group hug. God, I've missed you so much, Barbara said. As sweet as the thought was, Diana really hoped that Barbara wouldn't shed tears for their reunion. We're doing this for at least a dozen seconds longer, because who knows when we're gonna see you in the flesh next time, Hannah said as she squeezed both Diana and Barbara tightly. When they finally sat on their seats, Diana quickly scanned the menu. Not that she needed to, because she was going to order the pad thai with chicken anyway. Nothing on the menu had changed. Apart from the prices having increased by a couple of pounds since she used to frequent this restaurant many years ago. After their orders were taken by a waitress, Hannah spoke. It's been a hot minute, hasn't it? It certainly has, Diana agreed as she took a sip from the glass of water that the waitress had poured for her earlier. Diana had caught up with them by phone and video calls before, but it had been years since they had caught up in person. How have you been, Diana? Barbara asked as she rested her chin on her clasped hands. I've been well. Busy, but well. I count myself as fortunate for having caught you girls while I'm at Luna Nova for the day. You count yourself as fortunate. Hannah parroted in mock outrage. We're the lucky ones that you're actually here. When I got your call a few days ago, you wouldn't not believe how worked up I got. Diana chuckled. How have you been, Hannah? I've been pretty good, Hannah said. I started in a script supervisor role several months ago. It's been busy, but the work is really interesting. Is Amanda still working in the same production company as yourself? Diana asked. Barbara shot Hannah a knowing smile. Yeah, she still is, Hannah said, fighting the onset of a blush on her cheeks from being caught off guard by that question. She said that she's not leaving the company for as long as I'm there. God, can you believe that? The sheepish look in Hannah's eyes betrayed her true feelings. Diana could see it, the adoration Hannah had for her girlfriend's antics. Diana couldn't help but try to hide her smile as she took another sip from her glass. Any day now, Barbara teased. Any day. Hannah waved dismissively. Ignore her, Diana. She's just dreaming. Barbara grinned in response. And what about yourself, Barbara? How's academia treating you? Diana asked. I'm nearly at the one-year mark in postdoc. It's all right, Barbara shrugged. The research and stuff is interesting, and lecturing courses is a good time, but I'm still not sure if academia is where I want to be. I'll see how it goes for at least another year, I think. Um, Diana hummed in agreement. It's definitely prudent to not lock yourself into a particular career path until you're sure. A little ironic coming from me. Diana noted internally. For sure, Barbara said. Plus, I'm still kind of exploring the prospect of being a professional writer. I'm about two-thirds of the way through my novel. I'd love to read it one day. What is it about? Barbara took a moment to think, 
as if trying to figure out the best way to describe her work in a way that wouldn't make Hannah interject with something about nightfall. It's dark fantasy, with a bit of romance. Sounds like nightfall, Hannah casually interjected. I'm going to force you to read Nightfall followed by my novel and you're gonna eat your words, Barbara said with a huff. Diana giggled. This was yet another part of her life that used to be a normality. She didn't realize it back then, but having Hannah and Barbara around all the time colored that part of her life in a way that she had only appreciated after leaving them. I'm just kidding, Hannah said smugly. But if you beg me hard enough, I just might turn it into a movie once I become a big shot producer in the future. Barbara's eyes suddenly lit up. Holy shit, I didn't think of that. Hannah quirked an eyebrow. Wow, you're serious, aren't you? Yeah. Oh my god, just imagine how amazing it would be if that actually happens down the line. The optimism in Barbara's voice was palpable. She had a renewed vigor that was certainly going to translate into her finishing the draft for her novel in lightning speed. When their dishes arrived, the girls ignored them and continued to ask Diana about her life. While it was a little tiring, Diana wasn't about to shut them down, she figured that she owed her friends one for the distance over the years. And that also meant that she was going to be honest about her experiences including the parts of being a CEO that weren't glamorous. By the end of her friends' curious inquiries to a world that they would never know, they were sure that it wasn't one that they would want to be a part of. In a strange way, it made her friends feel a little more fortunate about their own lives. Oh God, during the trip it was all she would eat. Hannah exclaimed in outrage. She said something about needing to make up for the year's worth of real American burgers, that she had missed out on from living in England. Diana's fork of stir-fried noodles had been halfway in her mouth when she felt her appetite dramatically shrink from the thought of Amanda stuffing herself with greasy burgers. Each one could probably feed Diana for a week. I don't even know how she didn't gain any weight during those two weeks, Hannah's ramble continued. It's like she has a black hole in her stomach or something. Your girlfriend is a woman of many talents, Barbara remarked. I wouldn't exactly call it a talent, but it is disgustingly impressive, Hannah said before sending a spoonful of food into her mouth. So, got any plans for this afternoon, Diana? Barbara asked. Not, particularly, Diana said as she began to think about what she was going to do after they left the restaurant. It was incredibly rare that Diana had an open-ended afternoon to herself. She didn't want to feel rushed during her morning at Luna Nova. So she had asked her secretary to keep the rest of the day free too. But now with all that freedom that confronted her, she felt lost. Are either of you free? Diana asked. I have a set to supervise in about an hour, Hannah said. Barbara looked a little regretful as she spoke. I have a lecture that I need to prepare for as well. Sorry, Diana. No, that's certainly all right, Diana reassured. I guess I could find a spot somewhere to do some work. I'm sure there are hundreds of emails waiting for me in my inbox. Diana. 
Hannah fixed her friend with an intense glare that communicated the extent of her seriousness in her following threat. I'm fully willing to call my manager right now to tell them that I can't make it to the shoot today, because I need to babysit my friend, so she could have the break she deserves for a single goddamn afternoon. Diana saw no hint of bluff in those hazel eyes. Come on Diana. Surely there must be something that you could do after lunch that doesn't work. Barbara asked softly. Her friends had long since mastered their good cop bad cop routine. Well. Diana strained her brain for a moment. I guess I did hear about an indie game exhibition taking place on campus today. I could visit that, but I don't really have a reason to. I haven't played or made any games in years. Hannah and Barbara shared a look with one another. You should go, Barbara said resolutely. That made Diana suspicious. And why, may I ask, should I go? Barbara shrugged. I don't really think you need a reason apart from it's not work. And who knows, maybe your life will change, or something, Hannah remarked nonchalantly. Diana lifted an eyebrow. Surely you're not referring to the relationship that I had with Akko. I was. It was too good of an opportunity not to. Actually, Barbara interjected, there is some weird truth in that. Now Diana was confused. What do you mean? Every time you and video games are involved, something always seems to happen. Think about it. Diana was thinking about it. I don't understand. All right then, Barbara shrugged as she looked like she couldn't care less about the odd conversation that they just had. That annoyed Diana. Yes. Okay, Hannah said. Diana crossed her arms. Fine, she said with a finality that surprised even herself. I'll go to this indie game exhibition, if for no other reason than to disprove your silly proposition. Hannah and Barbara wore the biggest shit-eating grins that Diana had ever seen. She regretted her decision already. Diana approached the Grand Hall for the first time in a very long time. When she had been there last time, she had met a fiery Japanese girl, who bickered with her over something as silly as their opinions about each other's video games. So much had happened in between those two times that she had visited this hall. It was almost as if by entering it, she would validate the passage of time that seemed so unreal to her. It had been over six years since she had met Akko on that fateful day. Yet to Diana's mind, it could have been only a week, given how much detail she could recall of their meeting. Diana realized that she had been standing in front of the entrance, getting in the way of people entering and exiting the hall while she had been lost in a world of her own, a powerful nostalgia that triggered memory after memory, emotion after emotion. She shook her head before promptly entering. The hall was lively with people. It wasn't that it was packed to the brim, but rather a lot of things were happening. People were playing video games that indie developers showcased. Friendly conversations and discussions were taking place. The reverberation that the sandstone hall was conducive to had magnified the lively atmosphere. It was very similar to the last time that Diana had been here. There were minor changes of course, 
such as the fact that the desks and chairs looked newer, there were more posters, did the indie game scene grow larger since I had last participated, and so forth. But for the most part, the essential characteristics that captured the idea of an indie game exhibition were all there, just like they had been last time. Perhaps the biggest difference was that Diana wasn't showcasing this time. And that neither was Akko. Wait. How could Diana be so sure that Akko wasn't in the hall at that moment? How could I not have considered this possibility? Diana thought as she began to feel her mind race. The thoughts of what IFS streamed across her mind like a school of fish, making her feel a little dizzy. Had her friends set her up in a poorly thought-out and unsolicited plan as a means to getting her back with her past lover? For a moment, Diana had thought that it was such a crazy idea that her friends might actually have done it. But no. As she strode around the hall, looking all around like a meerkat, she realized that she was being silly. Why would her friends possibly do something as unkind as that? And why would Akko be here in particular? Akko graduated from Luna Nova. She could be in Japan. Or she could be anywhere in the world right now. The probability that Akko was in that hall at the same time as Diana was near zero. Although Diana couldn't help but find herself needing to double-check a couple of women who were about Akko's height and had her shade of hair. But that wasn't anything new, Diana had gotten used to momentary bouts of adrenaline that came from seeing passers-by who looked even remotely like Akko in her peripheral vision. Diana sighed before she took a moment to reorient herself. She decided to at least try to enjoy her time while she was here, so approached the first booth that looked at least mildly interesting to her. The game that was being played by another visitor looked like a top-down role-playing game. The art style was rather unique. It clearly had realism in its priorities, but it also looked as if every asset, texture and backdrop were made by brushstrokes. As the player made their character slowly walk around the setting, Diana's interest was piqued. It was a setting of decay. Of things falling apart and barely holding together. A rundown city where poverty seemed to be around every corner. It wasn't an action game clearly, because there seemed to be copious amounts of dialogue and reading for the player. Hello, the man behind the booth greeted me politely with a smile. I see you've been watching my game for a few minutes now. I'd let you experience it yourself, but I only have machine and our friend here, he gestured to the visitor, who had been absorbed in reading the never-ending dialogue on the screen, seems rather interested in the murder mystery. Oh, I wasn't aware that was the premise, Diana remarked. Well now you are, he said. Long story short, you basically play as an alcoholic and depressed cop trying to solve a murder mystery set in the political backdrop of a failed revolution. Diana hummed. I'll admit that that's a rather effective way of describing your game. I feel intrigued. Oh, and there's another element to it too, the man said as he leaned closer, as if he was letting Diana in on a sacred revelation. It's also about heartbreak. And the conflict between needing to move on and the impossibility to do so when everything reminds you of her. She knew exactly what that felt like. She still did. 
That's... Diana wasn't sure how to respond, a lot. The man chuckled as he leaned back. Yeah, it is a lot. It's heavy, but it felt right. When I was writing the main protagonist, it didn't even feel like I was inventing anything. It was as if I was merely describing someone who existed. It felt real, and I wanted my game to be about things that are real. Diana turned her gaze to the unkempt man on the screen. She felt real sympathy for the video game character. They exchanged a few more words before Diana thanked the developer and moved on. Diana admitted that the game seemed interesting, but she wasn't quite prepared for a full-blown discussion on video games. It had been too long since she had touched anything that even resembled a game, so any in-depth discussion on a modern game or the video game industry alienated her. Nice to see you here, Diana, came a familiar voice. Hello again, Ursula, Diana greeted with a polite smile. Ursula looked happy to see her former student for the second time that day. I'm glad that you could make it. Thank you, Diana said. I'm afraid I'm a little out of touch with the medium now. Life has been so busy that I haven't had the time to keep up. Ursula wore an understanding smile on her face. I'd be more surprised if you did. I don't imagine time as being something that a CEO has in their day. Diana chuckled. I'm afraid you're right. That's all right. You being in this expo can be the little pick-me-up you need, Ursula said as she smiled and waved at someone in the crowd. I gave my students an easy assignment to visit the expo and write a 500-word reflection on any part of their experience. Whether they found an interesting game or developer, or how they think the expo should be improved. Anything. That's a good way to get your students to engage with the culture of video game development, Diana remarked. Encouraging them to engage with real developers and get a sense of what it's like being in their shoes. Exactly, Ursula agreed. She seemed pleased that Diana understood where she was coming from. I have to go back to doing whatever it is that a coordinator does, Ursula shrugged. I'll see you around, Diana. See you, Ursula. As Ursula walked away, Diana stood there. She wasn't quite sure what she should be doing. She sighed as she figured that she'll walk around the exhibition for perhaps another five minutes or so before qualifying her time here as a valid effort and leave. And having done just that, Diana was ready to leave. She began walking towards the exit. As she approached the doors, she saw something on the wall next to the doorway that drew her attention. A poster for a game. On it was a brunette girl who seemed to be running after something. Or someone. A being of pure light. The ghost of a girl who seemed to be walking away, out of reach from the brunette girl who the framing of the poster implied was the protagonist. Diana wasn't sure why, but she was drawn to the poster. It was a strangely beautiful and sentimental and surreal art piece that resonated with Diana in some profound way. It was spiritual, as if the art tugged at her very soul, pulling her towards it. As Diana stood in front of it, she marveled at the details on the poster. The background was a dreamscape where vastly different settings, cityscape, forest, lake, 
strange surreal settings that Diana couldn't quite associate anything with, blended into one another not unlike that of a color gradient. Diana wasn't sure how long she had stood there, appreciating the surreal art piece, before diverting her attention to the name of the video game that the poster was for. Presence Its placement in the Mies E.N. Sane of the poster felt right. It was as if that word existed for the poster and the poster for it. The word was a part of the overall art piece. Just another detail in the sea of details that the poster offered that seemed to speak to Diana. Diana's fingers subconsciously reached for the poster. She didn't know what had possessed her to do so. But as she did, her eyes followed where her fingers were reaching towards. Shiny Ark Studio Shiny Ark Diana was suddenly ripped from her reverie. Why did those two words seem so familiar? They seemed to mean so much to her when she was a child. That's right, Diana thought, Shiny Ark is a spell from my favorite childhood game. Did Ursula make this game? Diana wondered. She turned around and tried to spot her former lecturer in the crowd, but couldn't find her. She turned back to face the poster. Another possibility sprang into Diana's mind. One that seemed unlikely, but one that she couldn't rid her mind of. Could it be? Diana pulled out her phone, unlocked it with her fingerprint and opened the browser app. She typed Shiny Arc Studio into the search engine. The first search result led to the studio's website. The website layout was a little quirky, a little vibrant. It felt rather incongruous with the feelings and emotions conveyed from the poster for presence. She could feel her breaths become shallower. She swallowed as she clicked on the about page. Shiny Arc Studio is an independent game studio that currently consists of me, myself and I. My name is Akko, nice to meet you. Chapter 28, The Girl and the Presence Diana walked briskly towards her apartment complex. She was unsettled. Her mind was a turbulent ocean of immeasurable quantities of thoughts and feelings that she couldn't pick apart one from another. She wasn't sure what she was feeling, only that it was an array of emotions that was sending her into some kind of panic. Making her way back from Blytonbury to Edinburgh had been an affair that felt simultaneously too long and too short. Too long, for she had been in such a rush to get back home that her impatience made time feel as though it were lazily, sluggishly inching forward. Too short, for once she got into the car that she had hired that day, her mind had been thinking about so many things at once that she couldn't pay any attention to the environment that rushed by from outside the window. Her thoughts were running like a broken clock. She would move from one thought to another and another. Often, she would get stuck on certain thoughts and linger on them longer than she would on others. And then her thoughts would loop back around her mind, and she would be stuck in the same unending cycle of thoughts and questions. About Akko About all the years of Akko's life that she had missed. About how Akko had been since Diana had last seen her. They weren't questions that were new to Diana by any means. No, they visited Diana once in a while when she was alone at night and in her bed. But this was different. Diana had never been this close to Akko before.
She had stood in front of the hauntingly beautiful poster of a game that Akko had made. It was so close. Diana's fingers had been only millimeters from touching it. She had nearly touched something that Akko made, even if Akko had made it indirectly. To Diana, it felt as if Akko was standing right in front of her, her fingers nearly brushing Akko's warm cheek. The realization that the poster of the game that had captivated her was something Akko had sent Diana's world crashing down. Had Diana not white-knuckled her phone, she might have dropped it during the moment of revelation. And what a moment of revelation it was. Not only did her Google search reveal to Diana the person behind the game that was called Presence, but it had also implied rather strongly that Akko had succeeded in reaching her dream. And the thought that Diana hadn't been there with Akko, to see her cross that long and arduous threshold in reaching that dream, made her heart ache with an intensity that she hadn't felt in a long time. It seemed silly, that to be away from Akko meant that Diana couldn't be a part of her life was upsetting to her, but she held on all these years due to the thought that Diana would never see Akko again. Hence, that upsetting thought would only remain as an abstract that gnawed subtly at the back of Diana's mind. But to be confronted with the very physical evidence that Akko's life had progressed without Diana, had reached great heights and happinesses that Diana's selfish heart still wanted to be a part of, felt like a punch in the gut and a stab in the heart for her. As she stood there in the exhibition holding her phone, as if she had seen a ghost, Diana's eyes had drifted back towards the poster and looked at it in a new light. The art was still beautiful to Diana, perhaps even more, now knowing that it came from a girl who could never truly leave her heart. But in this new light of familiarity, that beauty hurts. It was as if it emitted a bright and burning light that scorched her. Diana could no longer stand there in the exhibition. She had to leave. But as she approached her apartment door, her mind was still trapped in that exhibition hall, standing before the artful evidence that had affected her so much. Diana absent-mindedly dug out her apartment key from her shoulder bag and let herself in. After leaving her bag at its usual spot underneath the tea table, she headed for her room to change into something more fitting for having ended her day, even if she had ended her day much earlier than she had expected and didn't do any of the work-related things that she had planned. But when Diana walked into her room, she didn't change her clothes. She didn't do anything. She stared out of the window that overlooked the quieter part of the suburb for a moment. Despite the natural pleasantness of the sight of gently swaying trees, it brought no peace to Diana's mind. She tore her eyes away from the distance and back into the walls of her room. Into her mind. Overcome by a necessity to match her restless mind, Diana began pacing around in her room. She couldn't stop thinking about Akko. I wonder how she... The poster for her game was so beautiful. Has her... Is she still in? Does Hannah and Barbara know much about? Would she respond if I... Does she hate me? Does she have a... Is she happy? Why do I feel like I've made a... Why is this affecting me so? Why is this... My head is so loud I can't... I can't... I... All of a sudden, 
Diana broke from her pacing and frantically reached for her bed and lurched at her pillow and screamed into it. She screamed until her lungs were starved of oxygen, and even then, she willed her body not to draw any breath. Not that she could anyway, as she suffocated herself with her pillow. After what seemed like nearly a minute drifting in the pitch-black darkness with no air, her survival instincts kicked in, and she pulled the pillow away from her face and took in desperate breaths of air. She felt lightheaded. The feeling was compounded when she opened her eyes. She was almost overwhelmed by the light, but she persisted and the fuzziness in her vision gradually subsided. That had been a catharsis that Diana needed. The light-headed sensation was a welcome relief against the deafening volume of her mind a minute ago. Diana took in the silence for a moment before wiping the tears at the corners of her eyes. Diana didn't know how to describe the experience. Did she just have a panic attack? That had been a terrifying experience, to feel overwhelmed by her own mind with heavy emotions that were tearing her apart from all sides. Yet, in the silence as Diana recovered physically and emotionally, there was only a single, surprising thought. But despite it all, why do I finally feel like I'm alive? Like I haven't been for so long. With the momentary quiet in her mind, Diana changed out of the clothes she had been wearing that day and into something more comfortable. Black sweatpants and a light grey crewneck. She then headed for her bathroom. Diana caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror. She looked tired. Exhausted. Her eyes looked slightly red, yet she didn't recall crying. Her hair was also messier than usual, undoubtedly due to the copious amounts of brushing that she had subconsciously done with her hands all afternoon. She sighed. She figured that some warm tea might help, or at the very least, the act of preparing tea was a familiar ritual that might help ease a little of the mental and physical tensions that she had. As Diana settled into the motions of making herself some tea, she couldn't help but gaze out of the kitchen window in between the actions that she had practiced thousands of times in her life. The window overlooked a small parking lot that was surrounded by modest apartments. From one of the cars emerged a mother and her young, energetic daughter, who seemed to be singing to herself, it sounded like a commercial jingle to Diana's ears. Diana's soft eyes followed as the girl and her mother disappeared around a corner. And then, despite the few cars that rested there, the parking lot was empty. Diana felt as empty as the parking lot she gazed at, because there were things that she desperately wanted, no, needed, but couldn't have. Like knowing what Akko had been up to all these years. How Akko had been all these years. The inspiration that had driven Akko to produce something that looked as painfully beautiful as presents. But those were things that Diana would likely never be privy to. And that very thought gnawed away at her and made her want to pick up her teapot and. The boiler's switch flicked off with a tactile click, signaling that it had accomplished its task. Diana calmly poured the boiling water until it filled up about half of the teapot. As the tea bag seeped, Diana carried the tray to her tea table. She wasn't going to add any milk. She needed the untarnished bitter flavor to ground her. A sensory stimulus that she hoped would pull her out of her thoughts, even if just a little. 
Diana sat on the couch, in an uncomfortably rigid posture. Her back was slouched as she rested her head on her palms, and her elbows on her legs. She simply wasn't relaxed enough to be sitting more comfortably. She watched the steam rise from her teacup with some impatience, as though it was some life-saving elixir that she desperately needed to drown herself in. Diana sighed. Why am I so worked up? She asked herself out loud. She wasn't usually one to talk to herself like this, which in turn only made the question more relevant. She needed to be a little more honest with herself. Because over the last few hours the endless cycles that her mind had been stuck in did her no favors. The cycles were like feedback loops that amplified the noises in her mind each time. And so with that, Diana started pondering. Her fingers stroked her chin, as though she were a philosopher. Am I unsettled, because I'm lonely and I've met with a shadow of my former love? Diana asked the nothingness. She cringed a little. Hearing her own voice vocalizing her thoughts made her feel ridiculous. The silence that followed her voice felt rather awkward. It egged Diana on. Or perhaps is it because I miss Akko, and the familiarity and closeness that I used to share with her? Diana asked her to simmer tea. Maybe my own discontentment with parts of my own life is making me yearn for a past and a lost future that I no longer have access to, she asked the slightly opened living room window that had been permitting the intermittent entrances of a light, late afternoon breeze that softly blew at her tea. Diana took a deep breath and pondered, before asking herself, or is it that? A momentary pause. I'm upset at the nagging thought at the back of my mind that has been haunting me ever since the last time I saw Akko that I've made a mistake and that none of this has ever felt worth. In an instant, Diana's hand shot straight for the teacup and delivered it to her lips for a sizable sip. The moment of desperation had been a grave error, as Diana had, for the first time since she was a child, burnt her tongue. She was certain that her tongue would feel numb for at least the next few days. Diana sighed. It was clear to her that she wasn't about to get Akko out of her head any time soon. Of course, she was used to thoughts of Akko spontaneously entering her mind during the day and, more frequently, the night, but it had been years since she had been utterly consumed by thoughts and feelings regarding Akko. So she picked up her tea set and made her way to her room. She set the tray on the desk to the left of her personal laptop, which she promptly switched on. Diana made herself comfortable on her desk chair and opened up her internet browser. With much anticipation and jitteriness, she typed in presence and clicked search. Presence P-R-Z-N-S-O Noun The state or fact of existing, occurring, or being present. My presence in the flat made her happy. Similar, existence, being there, attendance. Diana glared at her laptop screen as though it played a juvenile prank on her. She supposed that the ill-conceived attempt at utilizing Google was deserving of the anticlimax. She deleted her search bar and tried again with Presence Shiny Arc Studio. The first search result led her to the page on Shiny R, Akko's website, that seemed to serve as the official page for the game. Diana's breath was stolen from her once again as the artwork on the poster that she saw earlier that day greeted her on the website. Her eyes couldn't help 
but to admire it. A moment later, Diana scrolled down. While recovering from the loss of a loved one, a girl sees a spirit that resembles the person they grieve for. In trying to reach the spirit, she undergoes an epic journey that takes her through beautiful and fantastical places. Presence is an emotional and thrilling journey following the perseverance of a young girl, as she dives into a magical world that is as wondrous as it is dangerous. Experience the adventure as you visit mystical locations and solve otherworldly puzzles in order to find what you're looking for. As the third game from the independent developer Shiny Arc Studio, Presence is a beautiful platformer that breaks away from their previous light-hearted entries to deliver an unforgettable emotional experience through a fun and thrilling adventure. The third game. Diana pondered. She scrolled up and hovered her cursor on the Games tab at the top of the website to find two other entries, Neon Industrial Devolution and Pirates of the Grand Triskelion. Diana curiously clicked through the pages for both of the games. The former seemed to be a top-down action game set in a goofy robotic dystopia, while the latter was an adventure game about pirates that was just as lively. The deviation in tone of presence was rather noticeable. Diana was tempted. She was extremely tempted. Her index finger tapped on the surface of her mousepad in contemplation. There was a trailer for presence on its official page, but Diana thought twice about watching it. She couldn't lie to herself, she was going to play the game. She wouldn't be able to sleep otherwise. Trying to ignore her thoughts and anticipation for the game that had captured her attention as she laid on her pillow at night would be a futile endeavor. And if she was going to play the game, then she wanted to go in without any preconceived notions or expectations about the game. If the poster was any indication, the trailer would probably be just as beautiful and captivating, and Diana didn't need her expectations to be any higher than what it already was. Diana clicked on the link that led her to the Vapor page. At this point, no information on the digital store page was new to her. The only thing that mattered was clicking the Add to Cart button. Only £10. I wouldn't hesitate if it was a hundred, Diana thought. She was slightly disappointed when she realized that after purchasing, she had to download and install the Vapor client. This is rather bothersome, Diana thought impatiently. Why is it that I can't just play it? After she installed the client, she began the download. The minutes that indicated how much longer Diana had to wait had only served to fuel her nervous anticipation. She decided that sitting around and fidgeting wasn't the best use of her time, so she headed for the shower. Feeling the warm rivulets trickle down her skin was a reprieve for Diana. It relaxed her a little and gave her an opportunity to focus on pleasant physical sensations rather than her unstable emotions. After leaving the shower, Diana was only slightly dismayed that the download required another 10 minutes. Had she counted the minutes as she showered, she would have stayed underneath the deluge for another 10 minutes. Realizing that she hadn't eaten for nearly half a dozen hours, Diana decided to have some fruit and a carton of yogurt with the tea that she had forgotten about. The download only finished a few seconds after Diana returned to her room. She quickly settled back onto her chair before launching the game. After Diana's laptop screen went black, 
a magical arrow flew from the side of the screen and exploded into shiny ARC studio in a bubbly font before the screen blacked out again. The swooshing sound that accompanied the arrow almost made Diana jerk her head. The silence that followed afterwards was shortly superseded by the gradual fade in of a soft guitar melody. Do I hear water? The sounds of water crashing onto some kind of a wooden pier accompanied the music. As the screen faded in, Diana could see down the pier. The branches of the trees on the sides danced with the wind, and a raft was dangling in the water, constrained only by a rope. A girl sat at the edge of the pier, looking outwards over the waters, as if she was waiting for someone. Diana could only see her back, but she wore ripped blue jeans and a pale green shirt. The girl's short brunette hair slightly swayed. Diana took in the picturesque setting for a moment, before she clicked new game. The screen faded to black once again. The sounds dissipated into silence. Darkness gave way to light, and light became the bedroom of a young girl. The room itself wasn't particularly remarkable. It wasn't even suburban. It appeared to be a small bedroom in an apartment, if the other Chamblai apartment outside the window was to go by. There was a single poster on the wall, one about a nondescript pop band. Some clothes were bent over the backrest of a chair. Some were left on the floor. The girl was lying on the bed, on top of the pink blankets. She wore a pair of cheap headphones, which bled a poppy beat. It was difficult to read the emotions on the girl's face. Was she bored? Solemn? Reminiscent? Sweetheart, I'm off to work. I've left some lunch for you. Don't be late. That prompted the girl to get up. Her reluctance was evident in the pace in which she did so. As the girl slowly strode towards the door, an interaction prompt appeared as she approached the desk. A Polaroid of two girls. One had short brunette hair with freckles, undoubtedly the girl herself. She wore a beaming smile, one that she had lost. The other girl was slightly faded, but she had long, light brown hair. Her smile was a little more enigmatic, but unmistakably there. Perhaps she had known back then. The bottom of the Polaroid was scribbled messily with a marker. I really wish you were still here. The girl left her bedroom. The rest of the home told a story of making ends meet. It was in the half-broken tools held together by tape, and the couple of folding chairs that surrounded a small, plastic table that sufficed as a makeshift dining table. On top of it was a brown paper bag left for her. She took it and placed it in her tiny carry bag. Upon exiting the apartment, the girl saw that the elevator still hadn't been repaired, so she took the fire stairs down a few floors to reach the front door to the complex. The street outside was unkempt. There were cracks on the roads and empty cans on the pavement. But to the girl, this was life. So unfazed by the details of her familiar surroundings, she continued walking in the direction of her school with her headphones on. On the way, she passed by a sleeping homeless man and dropped a penny or two into his pouch. There was a black cat who had eyed her curiously, the girl patted the cat before moving on. Those were all things that the girl had become used to, much like the elevator that had been out of order in recent memory.
But what had been rather different, was the alleyway between the pharmacy and the bakery. Or rather, what was in the alleyway? A twinkle. A small, yet unmistakable twinkle of light in the distance that had caught her attention. It had a strange ethereal quality to it, as if it lit the alleyway, despite it being under broad daylight. She took off her headphones. Curiosity led the girl towards it, and as she approached it, she made out the shape of a girl. Could it be? Is it, you? The presence was made of pure light. The girl could make out the shape of the presence. The almost unnoticeable outlines of a person who she once knew. Who she loved. It is you. I. I thought you were gone. As the girl reached out to touch the face of the presence, they turned away from her and slowly walked through the wall at the end of the alleyway. Wait, come back. The girl was determined. Seeing a dumpster lined up against the wall, she used it to climb over it. Her movements were strained and clumsy, and didn't land the fall on her feet. But she got up, and followed the spirit. No matter how fast she ran, the presence seemed to be out of her reach. It never left her behind, however. As the girl navigated the complex concrete jungle, from figuring out how to get past locked doors to working up the courage to leap from window to window, rooftop to rooftop, the presence never left her behind. Eventually, the concrete in her surroundings began to give way to green, as she moved further out from the city. It had been a struggle. The girl had eaten the lunch that had been prepared for her long ago, but the journey had been arduous and challenging, and she needed sustenance. Along the way, she spotted an apple tree in a vast estate. Feeling hungry and desperate, she had no choice but to take a detour from trying to reach the presence and sneak her way through the estate. But when she had finally reached the top of the hill where the apple tree stood, she realized that all of the apples were rotten and not fit for eating. Upset and exhausted, she threw an apple onto the ground in frustration. As she sat next to the tree in dejection, the presence walked to her, touched the trunk of the tree, which made all the remaining apples that dangled from the tree fresh and ripe. As the girl collected the apples, the presence walked away yet again, prompting the girl to follow. Time had progressed as she followed the spirit. The position of the sun had shifted. The sunset basked the natural reserve in a golden glow, and witnessing it from the piers of a lake was breathtaking. Especially in contrast to the cityscape that the girl had not only traversed through earlier, but the same cityscape that had been the canvas for her life. The presence waited for the girl on the lake. It stood on the surface of the clear water, watching her, goading her to follow. It was clear to the girl that she needed to cross the river, but there were no canoes conveniently left for her. So she got to work on building a makeshift, rickety raft from the materials she could find around the pier. By the time she had completed it, it was evening. The only source of light was the moon that casted an ethereal, silver glow on all that it stood over. The raft had been shaky on the waters, but it was enough. The girl rode after the presence, who walked gracefully on the surface of the lake. It was this way for a while. A small girl, uncertain and unsure yet fiercely determined, 
on a tiny raft following the ghost that looked like someone she used to know across a glass-like lake underneath the silver moon and stars. The forest had been rough to navigate. The girl had to exert herself through the physical challenges that had presented themselves. There had also been immediate dangers in the form of snakes, piranhas and crocodiles. She had various encounters that had left her bruised and bleeding, but she pushed on after the wandering spirit. Eventually, the presence had led her to a hidden pool in the forest. A place of refuge from the dangers that lay in the night. It glowed unnaturally in the dark, radiating a turquoise hue that was reflected on the foliage surrounding it as well as in the girl's irises. She couldn't take her eyes away from it. She watched in shock as the spirit entered into the pool and submerged herself, rather than walking on its surface like it had with the lake. The night was cold and she didn't have a spare change of clothes, but the girl followed the presence anyway. It was the only thing she could do. The pool felt strangely warm, like an embrace. As she submerged under the water, she could feel a current that hadn't been there before, pulling her deeper and deeper. Before she knew it, she re-emerged from the water. It wasn't the same pool that she had entered. The color had changed. The hue of the water wasn't turquoise anymore, but a shade of lavender. As she exited the pool, she noticed that the ground wasn't the soil that belonged to a forest, but rather it consisted of a hard, charcoal-colored material. The sky was still the night, but the stars had rearranged. They seemed to have multiplied, and so did the moon. There were three moon-like orbs in the sky, each of varying sizes and colors. It was an otherworldly beauty. Yet the presence walked onwards. And so did she. The worlds the girl had trekked were indescribable. They couldn't exist. They didn't make any sense. Yet they were sublime. Physics either didn't exist, or was inconsistent as the girl traveled. Things could exist without being tethered to gravity. Objects and shapes blended into abstract concepts. They were deserts, yet they teased evidence of life and intelligence. Each world was at least as strange as the last. The girl had to persist and grasp the laws that governed each world in order to follow the presence, which seemed to be gradually more corporeal the longer the girl followed through these lands. And eventually, on an alien mountain that defied the imagination, and underneath an otherworldly sky, the presence stopped. For the first time since the girl had met it, it stood still as she approached. When the girl stopped right behind the spirit, it turned. It met the girl's eyes with a warm smile, one that conveyed a sense of pride. Its arms slowly reached around the girl's waist and embraced her. The girl embraced the presence back. I've missed you so, so much. I know. I'm sorry. I won't ever stop missing you. I know. The presence pulled back from the embrace. Its hand rested on the tear-stained cheek of the girl. It gave her a reassuring smile that told her that everything will be all right. That the journey hasn't ended. The girl brought her hand to touch the ghostly hand on her cheek. She watched as the presence began to slowly fade, its shape dispersing into stardust. She watched as the warm smile was the last to fade. The stardust rose into the sky, 
forming a beautiful new star that shined a unique radiance. An unreachable beacon that would guide the girl forever. After taking a moment to gaze at the newborn star, she walked forwards into the unknown. Diana's tears fell freely as the game faded to credits. Like the rest of the game, a slow, ambient song played that formed a canvas for her emotions to paint. It was well past three in the morning. Diana had completed the game in one sitting. She was captivated by the surreal and touching journey of the girl the whole way through. She understood the feelings that Akko wanted to communicate. The same feelings that she herself was familiar with. Diana had been teary at some parts of the game, and during the last stretch, she couldn't stop her tears from falling. After the game ended, she cried as she held the pendant tightly to her chest, the one that Akko had given her many years ago. All these years. She cried because she had truly grasped what Akko had been going through throughout the years. How Akko had never truly let go of Diana. I have been running. Just like Diana, Akko's thoughts of Diana and of their happier times had kept her going through times of darkness. From the truth that I had convinced myself wasn't possible. How there was an imprint of Diana that had never left Akko's life, just like the presence of Akko that Diana could never let go of. The truth is that the only thing that ever made me happy was being with Akko. Even after it ended. Diana cried because she realized that her own weakness had prevented her from reaching out to the most important person who hadn't been in her life for the last five years. That she had been pretending that a broken part of her didn't exist. That her world was empty without Akko, someone that she had hurt at least as deeply as she had hurt herself. And to know that Akko feels the same way I do. Diana needed to reach out to Akko. To communicate the parts of her that hadn't seen the light of day, parts of her that Akko deserved to see. Maybe her message wouldn't get through to Akko. Maybe Akko didn't want to hear from the person that caused so much pain in her life. I would deserve that, Diana thought. But I owe it to her to at least try. Chapter 29, Oasis Part 2 Go Akko! Lotta cheered. It was a duel between two wills. To settle a long-standing conflict between two sides. A fight to the death. Akko's thumb just barely evaded Amanda's thumb slamming onto their interlocked hands. Aha! Akko violently pressed her thumb on top of Amanda's in an opportunistic counterattack. Contact was made, but Amanda had expected the move and managed to slide out just in time. Akko grunted in frustration. Slippery, aren't you? Susie remarked while taking a slip from her beer. Amanda smirked. Well, you know us Americans. We love oil. Constanz gasped. Amanda never had the chance to finish her joke. Because the latter half of the sentence was replaced by a high-pitched, UN Amanda-like yelp as Akko striked without mercy and thumb-slammed Amanda's digit with the force of a thousand rising suns. One second passed. Amanda's thumb wiggled helplessly underneath Akko's as she huffed. Two seconds passed. The beast caught under Akko's straining appendage raged harder.
She couldn't hold on for much longer. Three seconds passed, and Amanda's hand slacked. It was like the energy in her arm had drained. That was Akko's signal to let go. Impressive, Akko, Jasminka said with a smile that held a hint of pride. Perhaps she had witnessed Akko losing too many times to Amanda in these games. Well, Amanda raised her half-finished glass of Irish ale. Bottoms up. She tipped the glass over to her mouth. Her friends watched the dark liquid disappear in a matter of seconds. Wow. You really haven't lost it over the years, Akko exclaimed in genuine admiration. Amanda slammed the glass back down onto the table. Some heads in their vicinity turned. Of course not, Amanda said as she brushed her vibrant hair back, as if she still held the self-mythologized status of being the hottest shit on campus. At another table, a girl, likely a Luna Nova student, quickly glanced at her. Amanda gave her a wink, which prompted her to quickly turn back to her friends. It's too bad that she hasn't lost her shameless confidence, either, Susie said nonchalantly. Shame. How do you spell that? Amanda jested. Akko had noticed the girl from the other table checking her friend out. I've always wondered, she spoke curiously. Does Hannah mind that you kind of flirt with girls every now and then? Amanda shrugged. Probably. But she doesn't really mind. She knows I'm loyal. Or in other words, whipped, Susie with a snicker, before making a whiplash gesture with her hand. Lotta smiled. I think it's cute. I'm so happy that you and Hannah are doing so well. A.W., thanks hun, Amanda said, before leaning into Akko. So. What do YA say I wingwoman for you, eh? She indicated with her eyes, the girl who had been checking Amanda out went to go get a drink at the bar. Suddenly, Akko turned red. W what? Amanda, no. Amanda abruptly stood and strode over to the bar with a flaunting casualness. Akko facepalmed as she felt the full force of the shame from Amanda's actions that her friend, for some pathological reason, perhaps, couldn't. Constance scribbled on her notebook, she's so dumb. I'm sorry on her behalf, Jasminka offered with sympathy. Susie, on the other hand, cackles with glee. She was very much enjoying the cringe comedy. Akko took a gulp from her glass of cider and nearly choked. God, I wish I got something more bitter. She watched anxiously as Amanda seemed to be mingling with the girl as she ordered her drink. When Amanda pointed in Akko's general direction, Akko tried to duck under the table. There was a loud bang and an ow from Akko as she hit her head. Oh my gosh Akko, are you alright? Lotto asked with concern. Akko chuckled. Yeah. Gosh I'm so clumsy, ouch, she hissed at the pain. Jasminka took a closer look at Akko's head. It's not bleeding, so that's good. You'll be fine in a bit. Lotta didn't look convinced. But it's turning a little blue. In the motherland, Jasminka proclaimed with stern pride, we do not tend to such wounds with anything more than a handful of the snow we walk on. Lotta didn't try to object, 
while Susie had an expression on her face towards Jasminka that would be best described as respect. Ouch, Amanda said as she walked back with a fresh glass of beer in hand. It looked darker than the last. You alright? Yeah. Wish I had a handful of snow with me, though. Amanda raised an eyebrow before she dismissed any inquiries she might have had. Anyway, Akko, this is Sarah. She's doing a master's in, uh. The red-haired girl giggled. Architecture. Architecture, Amanda parroted with a smile. Wow. So Sarah, this is the Akko I was telling you about. She makes cool-ass games and is an all-round sweetie. Akko's cheeks could have been mistaken for tomatoes, surely. Ah, uh, um. Hi. Sarah waved shyly. Hey. I saw your accident just then, so I got a little something for that. It was then that Akko noticed that Sarah was holding two glasses. One that held light beer, or is that cider? And another that looked like gin and tonic. The girl held the latter out for Akko. Wow. Thanks a lot, Akko said sheepishly. Sarah smiled. No problem. So, uh, this is actually my last round with my friends here, but do you wanna hang out sometime? Oh god, this is going to be so awkward, Akko thought dreadfully. Damn you, Amanda. Hey, I really appreciate it. You're really cool, Akko said. But I I am, uh, not looking for, you know. She scratched the back of her head. She had no idea how to finish the sentence. Sarah didn't look dejected. She chuckled. That's all right. Maybe your friend here had too many drinks, she said as she patted Amanda lightly on the shoulder. Akko raised an eyebrow at the contact. Hope you guys have a good night. Sarah waved farewell, earning waves from Amanda and Akko. Okay. Amanda please never do that again, Akko groaned after Sarah left their earshot. Amanda took a sip of her beer. Alright, I might have messed that one up, she said as she brushed the shoulder that the girl patted. But still. She seemed nice. Yeah, she does, Akko admitted. But I'm not really looking for anything at the moment. Why not? You've been single for, like, half a decade. You're totally ready to get back into it. Akko felt a little annoyed at the frivolous remark. I don't know. Maybe I haven't found the right person. Or maybe I just want to go at my own pace. Amanda's green eyes seemed to have sobered up for a moment. Ah shit. I'm sorry, Akko. I didn't mean to push you like that. I just want you to be happy, is all. It's all good, Amanda. I get that. Is it? All eyes on the table shifted towards Lotta, who looked like she regretted opening her mouth. She had no choice but to finish her question. To do with Diana. Hearing her name was akin to an electric shock. I. I'm not sure, Akko admitted with a sigh. I guess a part of me still feels like I haven't really moved on from Diana. Akko had no idea why she was admitting this. Perhaps it was the few rounds of alcohol she had, 
but I'm sure one day, when the time is right, I'll be ready to meet someone new. But that's not tonight. Nor tomorrow. Nor next week, in all likelihood. Akko wasn't sure whether it should be concerning that she didn't mind that fact. I'm not unhappy, Akko thought. But I feel like there has been something missing. Ever since that night six years ago. Well, Amanda put an arm around Akko's shoulder. I think that's perfectly fine. Huh? Akko was rather confused. Didn't Amanda try to hook me up with some chick a second ago? I mean just look at you. You're doing fine. Constance wrote in her notebook, your games. You've reached your dream, haven't you? Lotta asked. You're an indie developer, and you're bringing something valuable to all those people who have played and enjoyed your work. Jasminka hummed in agreement. And you're withstanding the pain with nothing, not even the snow of Yakutsk. The mentioning of the pain made Akko realize that her head was throbbing. I might actually need to import snow from northern Russia for this, she thought. Wait, did she mean pain in the literal or metaphorical? And you've somehow managed to worm your way back into the UK after your student visa expired, Susie added. Now that's impressive. Akko felt a little emotional. Thanks guys, she extended her arms to bring her friends in for a sloppy group hug over the sticky pub table. It was a miracle that nothing was spilt in the attempt. I love you guys so much, she exclaimed with tears in the corners of her eyes. No homo, Amanda needlessly added. She had really missed her friends. Akko didn't have any more drinks after the gin and tonic that Sarah got her. They left last Wednesday society afterwards and parted ways for the night. It was almost a perfect deja vu, if only Akko followed Lotta and Susie back to their shared flat. Except they didn't have a shared flat anymore. Having lost Akko and Lotta as flatmates after they graduated earlier, Susie shared the flat with Constanz and a younger student. She was in her final PhD year, so she would soon be abandoning the flat too. But until then, she would walk back home with Constanz during nights like these. Lotta rented a one-bedroom apartment on her own closer to the central business district, as it was convenient for her work. Akko lived somewhat away from the heart of Blytonbury. While she had a steady stream of income, it wasn't anything impressive. And being an indie game developer means that she never quite knew what her finances would look like in six months' time, so she chose to live frugally. Not that it was anything new to her. Amanda and Lotta needed to catch the train that took them closer to the city, while Akko and Jasminka needed to catch trains that took them away from the city, but in opposite directions. So they made their way towards the train station near the university together. Akko waved goodbye to her friends and rushed for her train when she realized that it was about to leave the platform. She barely made it on, and easily found a seat in the top compartment. It was past nine, after all. Spending her night with her friends in a place that was tied to so many good memories was precious to Akko. She had to make up for all the years that she had been away from them. Surprisingly enough, 
the bartender that Akko had been familiar with during her days as an undergrad was still working at the establishment, although he was now a manager. Despite his nonchalant attitude that Akko was no stranger to, he had offered Akko a drink at the house the first night that he had seen her back. Akko had no idea what it was, but she had thanked him profusely for it. His response was a mixture of, don't mention it, and your recent game was good. Staring out of the window while listening to the music playing through her earbuds, Akko felt only slightly buzzed. Being older, Akko was more conscious of her own limits, and not wanting to lose a night from being too far gone, or to lose a day from a persistent hangover. Four rounds of drinks a night were enough for her. The interior of the train was much less decorated with oversaturated advertisements as much as the trains in Japan. Nor was it as on time, as it seemed to be running a few minutes late. Akko had always wanted to return to the UK. While she enjoyed her time back in Kyoto over the few years that she had been back, it didn't truly feel like a place she belonged. To Akko, it lacked the feeling of being free and independent, the feeling that she wouldn't be judged for moving at her own pace. Perhaps it was a cultural thing. Or maybe, more likely, it was just an association that Akko had with the part of her life that she had spent in England. And her friends, of course. She had been planning to move back over to Blytonbury for a while. When Akko had first applied for the Youth Mobility Scheme visa, she hadn't made the ballot, and had to wait half a year before she could try again. On her second time around, Akko had written somewhere in her ballot that she was a game developer and listed presence as evidence. She received the visa from that application, although she had no idea whether completing presence had helped her or not. Maybe it was purely a lottery. Or maybe not. All Akko knew was that she could now live two years in the UK. She doesn't know what she would do after those two years pass, but she would cross that bridge when she gets there. Akko unlocked the door to her one-bedroom apartment and entered. It was rather small, but it was cosy. It had been her home for nearly a month now. She took off her shoes and wore the cheap slippers she purchased from the supermarket during the first week. It was past 9.30 and Akko could go to sleep, but she instead fetched herself a glass of water and sat down in front of her laptop. She flipped it open and navigated to the store page for presents on Vapor and scrolled down to the player reviews. There were a few new reviews since the last time she had checked. I'm not crying. You're crying. Just play the game. Akko giggled. A short and sweet review left by Send Noodles that brought her a moment of mirth. Overall the game is excellent. The art is beautiful, and the soundtrack is amazing. It probably made me a better person, but goddamn, it left me emotionally raw. The art had been an aspect of the game that Akko really strained to get right. She had to unlearn her usual style of asset creation and pick up new techniques, just to capture the ideas in her head. The soundtrack and sound design, however, Akko had very little to do with. She had commissioned Lotta for the task, who had been so ecstatic that she had offered to do it for free, but Akko had refused to not properly compensate Lotta for her labor. Lotta was beside herself when Akko had explained the game's concept and themes. 
The level of emotional maturity and vulnerability in the game wasn't something that Lotta had expected Akko to produce, but apparently the concept spoke so much to Lotta that she vowed, with tears in her eyes, to do the game justice. A decent game with a mature massage. The controls and physics can be a bit frustrating at times lol, but it's worth a playthrough. That was a review with a piece of constructive criticism. That the mechanical and technical aspects of the game could have been better. Akko was thankful to this reveal, as she would keep the feedback in mind for future projects. Overall, her game had been received rather well. More than well, actually. Akko felt overwhelmed and surreal. She struggled to wrap her head around the fact that in such a short time, there were more people who purchased presents than her previous games combined. The gameplay had praises for being unique, with the physics-bending aspects of the latter parts of the game. But more importantly, a lot of players felt the story and the emotional themes that Akko had been going for. One player, in particular, had been so affected by the game that he had emailed Akko personally, through her public shiny arc studio email, to say that the game spoke to his experience of losing his mother some years ago. He wanted to thank Akko personally for making the game. There had been other players who had mentioned, either in public reviews or private emails, that the game had resonated with them emotionally in some way, from experiences of losing a parent to the realization of oneself having changed. Akko was floored by the reception, but she never commented on other people's interpretation of her game, and wondered if anyone would truly understand her own personal experiences through the game. Akko took a sip from her glass of water. It was always strange how water tasted so pleasant after drinking alcohol. She opened her personal email inbox from her browser. Bank statements, game deals, insurance ad, wait, didn't I unsubscribe to those ads a month ago? Akko scrolled to the bottom of the email, found the unsubscribe link and clicked on it. We're sorry to see you go. That had been in big letters, but at the bottom of the page, in microscopic font, had a little box with tick this to unsubscribe. Oh you cheeky bastards, Akko said as she smashed the button. After she had returned to her inbox, she noticed that there was an email buried under the usual pile that wasn't from any company. In fact, it had a word that Akko hadn't seen printed in a long time. Her brain couldn't even process it initially, but eventually it caught up to her eyes and... Diana. Akko's heart raced. It couldn't be. She rubbed her eyes in the belief that they were deceiving her. They were not. The name was still there. Subject, for Akko. From, Diana Cavendish. What, Akko uttered in disbelief. She couldn't finish her vocalization, because her lungs demanded a sharp intake of breath. This doesn't make any sense, Diana wouldn't contact me, why would she? Akko thought. This is it. I've gone crazy. I've missed Diana more than what my mortal body and mind could take and now I'm mad. Damn it. Ow shit. Fuck. Akko slapped herself. Hard. Guess. I'm not dreaming. Well, I guess there's only one thing left to do. 
Akko closed her eyes and counted to ten. At each integer, she inhaled deeply and exhaled slowly. It was slightly jarring to her that her slow rate of breath couldn't calm the rapid beating of her heart. By the time she had finished, she didn't really feel any more relaxed. She steeled herself and opened the email. Dear Akko, I hope this message finds you well. It has been so long, hasn't it? The distance measured in years is so vast that I don't even know how to address it. Or whether I even should. To tell you the truth, I'm not sure whether I deserve to allow myself the privilege of sending you an email so freely. It feels as if I am wrongfully breaking a barrier, one that had been placed as a consequence of my own actions. I am a hypocrite, and I will willingly carry that guilt if it means that there is even a sliver of a chance that you will receive this message. I was wrong. I was so wrong. Presence opened my eyes and showed me just how wrong my beliefs had been. How foolish I had been, and still am. I never should have done that to you. I never should have let you walk out of the door that day. I never should have let things get to that point in the first place. I am awful. And I have never deserved you, Akko. If I didn't do those things, then maybe you wouldn't have had to experience all the pain and hurt that you've endured over the years. And maybe I wouldn't have had to, either. Maybe, like I had hoped, you could have been happy instead. Maybe I could have been, too. God. I thought I had run out of tears the night I experienced presence. But as I write this email, for the nth time, I guess I haven't. If you've made it this far, then I cannot express my infinite gratitude for your generosity for reading my words. Frankly, I don't deserve it. But, if you permit me, I would like to selfishly ask for a little more of your time. It would be the last thing I ever ask of you. I promise. I've made something for you. I'm not sure whether it would offer any closure, or anything, really. But presence means so much to me, and so I felt a need to at the very least offer something of my own in return. It would mean a lot to me if you would have a look. However, if you do not wish to, then I understand as well. I'm not expecting a response, Akko. So please don't feel obligated to do so. I wish you the very best in the future. And please know that I will forever be proud of who you are, Akko. My thoughts have always been with you these years, and they will continue to be always. Warmest regards. Diana. When Akko had gotten to the end of the email, she read it again. And again. She couldn't believe it. After five years of nothing but silence, Diana wrote her a letter that was so much. Akko wasn't even sure where to begin, or how to feel. Diana played my game, Akko thought with excitement that made her feel jittery. And she understood it. I can't believe it reached through to her. It wasn't meant to. Akko hadn't written the game for her. And then there was the part about how Diana admitted that she had been wrong. That she shouldn't have pushed Akko away with distance. Should Akko feel validated? 
angry, or hopeful. No. I shouldn't get my hopes up. So much has changed. Did Diana imply that she hasn't been happy? That was concerning Akko. And then there was the self-loathing that Akko could sense from the letter. That she never deserved Akko, how she was always wrong and selfish, how she doesn't even deserve Akko writing back to her. Diana really believes it, doesn't she? Akko thought solemnly. And she cried over presents, and while writing the email. It was a vulnerability that Akko had never seen in Diana before. Not even when they were still together. Akko had always been peripherally aware that Diana was a little fragile on the inside, contrary to how well composed of a person she was on the outside, a facade for the world, and to convince herself as well. But to admit it to this degree, to lay her truest, most delicate thoughts and feelings are like that. Well. Diana's changed, Akko realized. At least a little. But then again, I've probably changed, too. Reading and ruminating through Diana's words had brought Akko some feelings of closure. Akko felt rather grateful that Diana had reached out and communicated the deepest parts of herself. But I'm not sure where to go from here. Do I respond back to Diana? Do I? Akko's brain suddenly halted. Wait a minute, did Diana make me another game? She scrolled back through the email and noticed that the sentence, I've made something for you, was a hyperlink. Akko froze. A moment passed. Then another. Then. Akko had decided to go to bed instead. It had been getting a little late, and one huge emotional shock in the form of a letter from a long-lost lover was enough. A second emotional shock in the form of an artsy video game made for her from that said individual in the same night would likely be sufficient to send Akko into cardiac arrest. Not that falling asleep was easy. Akko had spent at least a couple of hours on her bed in the dark thinking about Diana and her email over and over again. It had felt like she was going crazy, but eventually, Akko's mind had become too exhausted to isolate individual thoughts and passed out. When Akko had woken up, it was nearly ten in the morning. She got up, took a shower and brushed her teeth. In the middle of making cereal, she suddenly remembered that Diana made a game for her, and had split the contents of her bowl. Ah shit. Yeah, so Hannah wants to visit Hawaii, Amanda said as she threw the frisbee to Constanz, who had to jump to catch it. But I kinda wanna visit Japan for once. Constanz threw the frisbee back at Amanda. I think it'd be hella lit if you came with us too, Amanda said before throwing the frisbee in Akko's general direction. Like, you could totally show us the coolest places Anne. There was a resonant bonk sound, the sound of a plastic disc striking a hard, round surface at the perpendicular angle. A yelp from Akko followed. Amanda rushed over. Oh god Akko are you okay? Why yeah, just give me a sec, Akko said as she gently rubbed at her wound. What happened? Amanda asked. 
I swear I wasn't trying this time. Nah, it wasn't your fault, Akko reassured her friend. I'm just a little out of it today. Amanda raised an eyebrow. Did something happen? What, no. I mean yes, but not really. Amanda raised both eyebrows. Okay. Are you gonna tell us or what? Akko seemed to ponder the possibility for a moment, before she seemed to have decided on something. You know what? Sure. But later. I gotta do something. She walked away from the urban park with determined steps. Amanda and Constanze watched Akko leave, before looking at each other in confusion and shrugged. Akko had decided to play it. She wasn't sure what to expect, but she couldn't deny it. She fearfully felt an irresistible droplet of hope from having received communication from Diana after all these years. Especially since it included a game made by Diana, the last of which had meant so much to Akko. After all, Akko did still care about Diana. Even as friends, Akko would be okay with that. She wasn't sure whether entertaining that hope was a good idea. Because she didn't want to relive the experience of having her hopes and dreams crumbling down around her again. But Akko had changed. Even if this was really the final piece of communication she would ever receive from Diana, it would be alright. She would accept it, and her life wouldn't be fundamentally changed at all. Not like last time. So, whatever Akko would see or feel from Diana's game, she would be okay with it. And thus, she would play the game that Diana had made for no one in the world but her. As Akko steeled herself, she clicked the link in the email. Only to realize that the link was for the download. She had to wait a few minutes in front of her laptop. She drummed her fingers on the desk a few times, before she stood up and paced around her apartment. At some point she grabbed a glass of water and chugged it down like Amanda every Friday night. When she had made it back to her desk, her download was complete. She extracted the contents of the zipped folder before running the executable file named 4-acco.exe. Darkness. There was nothing. Before the pitch black gave way to a blinding white. As the curtains slowly dissipated, incomprehensible shapes began to form. Their outlines and hues gradually came into focus. Into familiarity. Akko stood in shallow waters. Before her was a clear body of water. An expanse of crystal. It was too large to be a pool. Too small to be a lake. Akko knew where she was. There was no mistake. Around her was the symphony of the wind. Of thick leaves rustling against each other as they danced to the desert breeze. Behind her was fertile soil, from which life grew. The greenery surrounded the oasis, covered in a coat of dark green that was sprinkled with vibrant colors. She had been here before. Many years ago. It was a sanctuary that breathed beauty and life into the infinite desert. It felt anachronistic, as if it was a bubble of time that was perfectly preserved, even as the world around it perished and gave way to emptiness. 
but there was no music this time. No soundtrack to complete the audiovisual representation of surreal perfection, to provide a canvas for emotions to thrive on. Akko could only hear the sounds of nature. Of the birds, the breeze, and the gentle sway of the water. As Akko admired the setting, she saw something in the distance, beyond the foliage. It was small yet glimmering. Like a beacon signaling to her, telling her that there was something important that she needed to return to from the reverie. And so looking around the oasis one last time, Akko mentally said her reluctant goodbye before she made her way out of the water, towards the shore. But as she walked beyond the shore and into the greenery, the sanctuary began shimmering. Everything began to glow. Akko frantically looked around her. The shimmering gradually increased in intensity. For a moment, it looked breathtaking, before. It was gone. Not just the shimmering itself, but the oasis as well. In its place was just another patch of the unending desert. There was no evidence that a beautiful sanctuary had ever stood there, as if it had never existed. Akko felt distraught. It was precious to her. A reprieve from an empty, alien world that did not care for Akko's existence. It did not welcome her. Perhaps it would have been more bearable if the oasis had never existed, because at least then she wouldn't have felt the loss of something beautiful that had welcomed her. No longer having the choice, Akko walked towards the shimmer. The trek had been long. She felt as though she could have been walking for hours. Only the passing of the sand dunes marked her progression through the desert. The weather had changed, too. The sky above the sanctuary was clear and cerulean when it had existed. Now, the skies were thick clouds of grey that extended indefinitely in every direction. There were no sounds of life. There was only the empty breeze and Akko's cushioned footsteps. A slow, ambient note echoed in the background. It was as if she could sympathize with the lonely note. They were both lonely souls calling out into the desert, and receiving no acknowledgement in return. As Akko approached the glimmer, it began to reveal itself as a door. It stood upright atop a dune. The door was silver, its frame flickering with aperiodic luminosity. As she walked towards the door, it opened, revealing a doorway into a dim passage. It appeared to be an exit from the indefinite desert. Given the choice of remaining in the static sands perpetually, or walking into the world on the other side of the door, Akko chose the latter. As she crossed the barrier in between the worlds, the door was no longer. It had served its purpose. Standing within it, the dim hallway revealed itself to be much larger than what Akko had initially seen from before stepping through the door. The ceiling of the room was so high that the darkness made it seem as if it stretched on forever. The walls were made of stone, its geometry was mathematically perfect. It took her a little while before she had reached the end of the hallway, but when she did, she walked through the exit that awaited her. It took her into a more open area within the complex. Regular formations of giant, sublime pillars connected the ground to the ceiling. The vast room, or perhaps hall, was illuminated by vertical bars of lights that were lined up against the pillars. Akko had been here once. A long time ago, before she had first met the oasis. 
The setting wasn't exactly as she remembered, but the resemblance was there. The style was unmistakable. The brutalist architecture was alienating, haunting, and even oppressive. Even the low droning sound seemed familiar. Akko's footsteps echoed deeply as she wandered in the looming hall. She explored the structure, if for no other reason than a sense that she had to keep moving. Lest she become a part of the lifeless structure itself. Every room seemed to be more abandoned than the previous. Or perhaps no one had ever lived in these majestic, stone ruins. That these ruins weren't made for life. As Akko walked through hall after hall, she began to hear sounds of water flowing. Was there a river somewhere? A place that could have signs of life? An oasis in this brutalist desert? She began to run towards the source of the sound. It would always seem to come from a room on the other side of a wall, but when Akko would find the entrance into that room, it would seem to come from another room. It was a stone labyrinth. But Akko was getting closer. The sounds of water seemed to grow, as she made it room after room. And she had found the source. Except it wasn't water. It was from a rusted speaker that seemed to be teetering at the end of its life. Disappointed, Akko walked on. And it was then that she saw it. From behind iron bars that separated Akko from the outside, she saw what appeared to be the oasis, surrounded by desert, under a wild, fearsome thunderstorm. She could do nothing but to watch as the thunderstorm grew to encapsulate the stone complex. Lightning began to strike the structure. The first flash and thunder had frightened Akko, but after a dozen, she had come to expect them. She watched as the stone foundations began to crack. The pillars began to split, as the violent turbulence proved to be too much. The loss of structural integrity was only inevitable. It had been a long time coming. None of this was going to last, and Akko wasn't sure if it was necessarily worth mourning for. When the thunderstorm concluded, the massive, endless structure that had once stood was nothing more than scattered ruins within an engulfing desert. Given enough time, there would be no ruins only the desert. As Akko walked across the ruins, she saw what remained of the oasis. The plants had wilted. The deep, complex green that had once been there was replaced by dry, light brown. As she approached, she saw that where the body of water had been was replaced by an empty crater. It was hard for Akko to see what was once full to be forever empty. Yet, something pulled her closer. She saw that at the very bottom of the crater was a tiny body of water. Within it, there was a sapling that poked its head from the surface of the water. It was light green. It was alive. Akko's feet no longer touched the ground. She was slowly floating above the crater, away from the earth, where her view became filled with endless desert. But somehow, she looked at the desert a little differently now. It wasn't lifeless at least not completely. For there existed the sapling of hope. Hope that one day, the desert will be filled with green once more. Perhaps that day would be millennia from this moment, with each moment stretching towards infinity, but Akko believed that it would come to be. She had faith that it would. 
As Akko lingered on to hope, the world faded to white. Akko was speechless. The game had felt like a mirror into her own experiences, her own emotions. It made her relive those feelings, yet from another perspective, one that validated that Akko hadn't been the only one who had felt them. That the story was complete. She had only held half of it, but now she could see both halves through an illuminating light. And through understanding the other half, she understood her own better. So you were with me this whole time, weren't you, Diana? Your thoughts were always with me. I can feel them, even now. You never left that room of yours. Praying that what happened after was just a long dream that you would one day wake up from. You felt a part of yourself missing. A part that you need. A part that you can't live without. But you carried on anyway, because you thought that there wasn't any choice. That what you needed wasn't there anymore. You were just like me this whole time. Akko knew what she had to do. It was something that was long overdue. She could feel it in every fiber of her being, as if fate itself was pulling her towards an earth-shattering inevitability, one that was as consequential to her world as the death and birth of the sun itself. She was determined to contact Diana, 